A latent need is a problem that a user or consumer doesn't realize that they have. These needs tend to go unspoken either because the people think they're too trivial to be a focal point for someone to solve, or because they haven't really looked into the root cause of their pains and frustrations to identify what's wrong. On this episode, I speak to Marie Baer, who's the founder of Wangi. Wangi empowers consumers to manage their health records, but most people don't realize they need to manage their health records and what the benefits of doing could be. Now, a quick note, we recorded this episode back in mid-January, and since mid-January, the world has completely changed. COVID-19 has taken over, and our news feeds are full. We're scared, we're frightened, and the reality is that as Marie and I chatted, we didn't know what was coming. And so throughout this podcast, you might hear some things that feel or sound a little insensitive, or maybe you sort of say, surely you need to be talking about this. And I just want to qualify this episode and say, we weren't aware of the need that this app and this solution might drive forward. So keep that in mind as you listen, and I hope you enjoy the episode. But in any event, my name's Jared Doyle, and this is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to grow their companies through smarter marketing. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with marketing tips, strategies, and insights that enable you to grow your business. You'll hear from fellow entrepreneurs like Marie, who share their learnings and insights on how they're growing their business. You'll also hear from marketing professionals who'll give you excellent advice on how to grow your business. And of course, you'll be hearing from me. You might be an accountant, a graphic designer, an app developer, or a startup founder. But if you're the best kept secret in the industry, then your business is just not going to grow. So let's get into this episode and talk all about Marie's app, which all of a sudden has become so much more important. Marie, welcome to the episode. Welcome, Gerard. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So we're here today and we're going to be talking about your startup and... Just before we started recording, I did the first thing I always do, which is get the pronunciation of a startup. And I would say, is it Wangi? Is it Wangi? Can you first of all tell us what the correct pronunciation is, what the name means, and then maybe even what the company does? Sure. So I say Wangi, but people can say Wangi or Wangi, whatever they like. But what Wangi actually is, is an online health wallet for people to manage their symptoms and their health records. Great. So, okay, so two things. Back on the name, what does the name mean? How did you come up with it? So the name means health and life, and it's an Indigenous word that comes from a group in uh, the Northern Territory near Crocodile Island. And I guess we, we chose that, obviously, because it does mean health and life, which is what we are trying to focus on. But it, it also is about the essence of people, not only in the cities, but in the regions. And highlighting that is that, you know, health, health means everybody and from anywhere. Great. So I've got a rough idea of where your app's placed. You know, it's about managing my health and, and data. And that's good. And I'm, I hear that and I go, yep, okay, that sounds like a nice to have thing. What's mm. the what's the problem that you get into that makes me go from that sounds like a nice to have app into actually that's something that I should really do. What's the grinding problem that you found that people react to and go actually I'm going to go beyond saying hey that sounds great to where is it and how do I download it? Well, the problem we're solving is that people don't 
have access to their health information. Your data is at hospitals, doctors, childcare, many doctors, in fact, at testing places. But we're not really in that story, in that picture. So despite what people think, it's not available to you. So uh, the reason, this is the reason why I started this into, you know, 2017. And it's about bringing that focus to, well, if people could actually have access to that, their health information, what could that allow them to do? And, you know, for a number of people, and I guess starting off with people that, that have chronic conditions, and that's 50% of the population, and probably increasing, I guess, as people get get older. But what it is, is that there's a lot, a lot of information for you to remember. And actually, most people have trouble with this. So you think about every time you go to the doctor, you're having to repeat allergies, you know, what allergies you have, you know, what tests you've been have, how many times you've been to the doctor, what are your symptoms? And don't forget any of them because they can impact your diagnosis. So, you know, you'll end up being sent for tests repeatedly. You might, you know, forget to tell them what, you know, critical medication that you've been on. So I guess what we're we're trying to do here, and and it's the beginning of, of this journey for people, is for them to start gathering this information. It's a little bit like a bank account. You think about a bank account, you know, it's not that sexy really, you know, when you first open it, it's got nothing in it. And you, you know, you do a big groan, you go, what can I do with this? And this is what, you know, I guess that's where we're starting with, you know, you start, you have nothing in it. So you need to start accumulating some of your own health information and start documenting your symptoms. And what this will do for you is, you know, as you start, you know, doing this, you will start going, well, I can actually use this information. I can communicate better to my doctors. I can save myself some money because I won't do those tests again because I know that I've already done them and I can provide that information to my health professionals. Yeah, so I guess it's that, what does it do? So there's there's the how it does it, so that, that practical kind of it stores this information and helps you do these things. But in its rawest state, when people are ultimately selfish beasts and we think about ourselves, like, what's in it for me? What do I get? It's about better diagnosis. It's about better treatment, about better healthcare and sort of saying, that ear infection that you had 18 months ago that you might not think means anything to just a GP will look and go, hang on, I know that ears and eyes and mouth and throat are all connected and I can connect that and that and the antibiotics and then, oh, I've got an answer for you. And so I guess that's really what you have to sell, isn't it? When you're pitching this, because a bit like a savings account, it's kind of like, well, why do I need to have my money in a bank? So, you know, my my 11-year-old's got a bank account and she goes, oh, it's there, so it's safe. And then she went, oh, no, it's there, so I don't touch it. And then she went, oh, no, it's there. So, And she's kind of building on that. And she's doing it because I told her she had to. And that's yeah, the power of being a parent, right? But I guess it's you know, you've got an uphill battle because the actual, I guess, satisfaction or the positive outcome for using your app isn't necessarily going to be immediate. Like you said, the analogy with a savings account works. Savings account, you don't get an immediate win by putting money into a bank. It happens over time when you understand. So... How are, we, how are you planning or how, how are you thinking about tackling that delayed gratification? When I say gratification, it's often sort of, it's, it's that thing, but it's like selling funeral insurance or life insurance and, and all these things, you know, even wills. These are hard things to sell because the point where you actually get the return is often well in the future. How do we tackle that for you or how, how do you imagine that's going to be tackled? Or are you sort of really hoping that people are um, just 
I guess, very conscious about health and, and management. And Because I know that I'm not. And, and I think as I get older, I become more aware of my health. But, you know, it's a difficult one. And I'm just curious to see what you, how you're thinking about that problem, I guess. Well, there's a number of aspects to that. And I guess the first one is that we, we are tackling a social change. People are passive in their health and people generally rely on a doctor to make decisions for us. And, you know, whilst we are very digital and everything else in our lives, we're not really digital in the health space. But, you know, and I guess that that is something that also is different for different age groups. So we have, you know, I guess some people that are concerned about costs for their health care others that don't and and you know i guess people that are healthy don't really care i'm being realistic there so i mean that's just how it is so people think well look if i if i run around the block if i do all my exercises i'm going to stay healthy but i guess it's a bit like insurance policy you know at some point you know things things happen and and it's good to at least have some sort of history so i guess that's the the passive side of things as far as uh, engaging with people because it is a social change, what we have been under undergoing is really a period of proving product market fit and what it is that people expect to have in an app like this and what it is, you know, we, we need to do to keep them engaged. So, you know, we, ha- we have a number of, uh, you know, we have a roadmap of functionality that, that we're working on. You know, we're, we're a small startup that's, that's building on this journey. So, you know, obviously it takes a longer for us to implement some of these things. But, you know, we definitely, you know, understand uh, a daily engagement or, you know, very regular engagement that we plan on doing. So, you know, things like, you know, reminders, predictive daily health reports, these are the types of things that will be coming your way soon. So, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I guess it's just, a, you know, building on, not only building on the product understanding of what people want, it's also from our perspective implementing that based on customer feedback. And, you know, we would yeah. love to do it, you know, sooner, but, you know, I guess it's just sort of, I guess it's a bit like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, you know, <laughs> like you you need to go through a metamorphosis and, and uh, you know, take on board your environment and what, what it is that people want. And that's, I guess, the stage that we're at. Yeah, I would imagine there's quite a big, um, there must be a real tipping point, that point where someone's using it and then they've done enough or they get that positive signal where it becomes part. So either it becomes part of their life or they get that positive signal that says, okay, this is right. I'm going to now bake this into my life because like Mm. most apps, you know, people use them for a little bit and go, it's kind of interesting. And then it falls out. Like it's very hard Mm. to create apps or websites or processes that become habitual. Have you identified a, a particular action or series of events or an amount of usage that when you reach that, you know, you've got somebody locked in? I believe at the moment, I think that, yeah, we have identified it and we see that the usage at the moment needs to, I guess, be more habitual because people, unless they're really, really sick, people are not going to the doctors a lot. You know, I guess habitual uh, habits, uh, I guess that's the same word, isn't it? But it's about uh, documenting your symptoms is, is something that is habitual, but we want to build on that. So something that people need is predictive type reporting to say, 
all right, this is what's happening. This is what we expect to happen to you today based on what you've told us up until now. So, you know, that is what people are expecting and we will be building yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, apart from that, you know, we, it, one of the battles that I can I see for your business is, is that ability to get find the right people who have enough drive, have enough reason to use something. So mm-hmm. I myself luckily don't have enough things wrong with me at the moment that mm-hmm. I would sort of go, oh, yeah, there's enough driving me to do that. You know, just mm-hmm. um, just entering like weight into my iPhone is kind of enough of a process for me at the moment. Yeah. However, there are people in my life who mm-hmm. I love and care about deeply that I would. And, and I do wonder whether... You know, the target persona, the people who are likely to be the innovators and adopt this earlier actually are the people who, as you identified before, people with a chronic mm-hmm. illness or the carers of those people. So, Absolutely. you know, you, you mentioned about, you know, aging population. So more of us have chronic conditions. Well, maybe it's the partners, maybe it's the kids, maybe it's the carers, the responsible adult, the next of kin, whatever it happens to be. Maybe they're the ones that have enough drive to actually go, I'm going to track mum's medications and and see Mm -hmm, what she's mm -hmm. got and create that record. Because I think for myself and, you know, this is, you know, like we all do, right? We try to think about the world through our own eyes and our own experiences. As much as I like to think that I'm empathetic, there's there's an absolute limit to that. So I go, when would I use this? And I think, yeah, actually tracking medications for parents, seeing what they've done and being able to share that. Have you found that that's a particular receptive target market for you? That is exactly our target market right now. So our marketing that we we tried when we first, oh well, it was a process of understanding what we thought was our product market fit to what turned out to be our product market fit. And this is, I guess, uh, you know, that that testing the market. So the initial groups that we thought it would be weren't ready yet. So out of our experimentation what we discovered was that that it was people that had chronic conditions or under undergoing chronic conditions or had been you know trying to manage the amount of health information that you need to when you have you're undergoing cancer treatment for example so those are our current customers and they are very much using the product on a daily basis obviously because they're using it a lot and what we're seeking to do though is expand on that making in making it better for them what we're seeking to do is making it better for everybody that's the intended action out of that because some of the repetitive type or habitual functionality that we will put into the product will be useful for everybody Um, and that's the the aim of what we're doing I guess the challenge then for you is how to promote and how to find these people because, mm. the, you know, you know, on a previous podcast, I spoke with um, Damien Stone, who's the founder of Water3, and we spoke at length about the decision to go direct to, you know, build a full channel, so build mm. out your own channels direct to customer and sell that in, or do you go through a partnership process? Mm. And, it, and it strikes me that, you know, you're looking at a target market here who might be hard to identify but if you do identify them there's probably lots of other parts to market you know whether it be through homes and hospitals and other medical devices and and medication companies etc etc so how do you imagine this playing out in the future do you do you see partnerships as being a distribution path for you and that maybe that might become big or do your is your intention to sort of stay direct to consumer and own that sort of full experience from start to finish so our mission is Imagine no matter where you are in the world, you can have your information on hand. 
So what does that mean? That means that you can have your information, but you can also connect your information. So vital to us is that connectivity with partnerships. That's the way that it works in the health industry. Yeah, so that's the sharing of the data. Do you, do you see that that sharing of data also then lending to people using the app and using the service? In other words, you might have someone who's, I don't know, a partner who's managing asthma and they're, and they're looking to monitor it and, and record, you know, what are those like spaces and results and things? You, you sort of see them sort of saying, hey, and if you record it in this app, then we'll be able to keep track of it. And then that becomes a path and they go, oh, now that I'm recording that, I can also add X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. do you see it as a path of distribution or just for data in and data out? There's a number of the, I guess, data in, data out. Hmm. it's almost like a marketplace in the it will ultimately become like a marketplace if you like in marketing terms because people want to have easy sources of their health information over time they don't know that now our roadmap includes connectivity to various data sources if people need to have those connectivity or if they want to have some of the information on hand it's been very manual but what we want is for people to be able to electronically receive their health records after they've had a certain meeting or test result, for example. So, and this is both not only in Australia, but but globally, for example, in, in the US, there's a number of healthcare portals that people can connect into. So our roadmap includes connecting into those so that people from the US can also get their health records and have them included in the app as well as their own records. So that's an example of a source. We have an example where there might be some sharing information potentially happening here in Australia. So the government has announced a grant for researching into the impacts of the bushfire smoke, which is uh, not only the bushfire smoke, but people's uh, mental situation after the bushfires. So we propose that people could use our app and monitor their symptoms um, and track what what's happening to them over that period of time and share that information to the researchers if they choose. So it's about putting the control back into the hands of people so that if they want to share it, they can. That's our focus is control to consumers and looking at health through the consumer lens. Yeah. I think it's one of those, you know, with privacy or anything that sort of happens. And I was looking at say Facebook, they're constantly adding more ability to control what data is and isn't shared about you. And I think that they know themselves, this is Facebook, that you can give people, as long as you give people the option, most people won't use it. It's not, it doesn't seem to be a big enough driver in and of itself for people to change. They're sort of like, actually, what I really want is to get the coupons and the discounts and the deals and the highly targeted ads and the right content. And so people actually trade off most of their information. They don't, it's not usually, privacy isn't usually for most people a big enough driving force that usually needs that one catalyst where they go, actually, if a doctor tells me I need to track my asthma and the, and or my breathing and Mm. These kind of elements related, related to smoke, well, I'll do it because the doctor told me I had to do it. And if I have to record it here, then that's then that's the process. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious just with, um, you mentioned there the US. So is your, are you global from day one or do you have a, a bias towards Australia or, or is it just that we happen to be in Australia and that's why we're, I'm thinking of that? Or are you actually global from day one and anyone anywhere in the world can, can use it and are using your app? We are global from day one. Well, we... 
I guess more global when we uh, launched in the App Store, which was later last year. And 50% of our users are in the US, are from the US. We've got a sprinkling from Europe and UK. We are placing a focus on, on the US. They have a significant problem. It's worse in, in Australia. They don't have a central government record as an option, which we do. They don't really have a, a Medicare that's like our public system. So their problem is almost bigger than ours. And, and uh, we have a significant amount of people with chronic illness that are using the app from the US. So we can't afford to not listen. That's just happened organically. We were noticed by by Forbes in the middle of last year. They put us in the top 50 for health tech companies disrupting that space. So they're seeing a future here for this, and, and this is happening organically. So whilst we are based in Australia and ultimately there are sources available for health data possibly at some point in the future, for example, the My Health Record is a government source of information, but, but even uh, if and when we connect to that and provide that as a source for people, we can still be global. It's really mm. just another source. And it's about, if you think about our mission, which is ultimately for people to have their health information on hand no matter where they are, that's a global statement. We have to start working towards that. It's a, I guess it's a, you know, steps on a cobbled road, which is a little bit bumpy at times. And... And having my background, I guess, in tech, which is knowing how things all connect together, it's knowing that at some point we can get to that and we need to work towards that and having an open framework in your tech that you can do that. But ultimately, it's about starting global and thinking global. And our people are global. People travel. People need to have their information on hand when they travel. It's like a bank account now. You expect that when you travel, you have your information for, you know, you your money it's going to be the same you know you want you in the future or now you're going to expect that when you travel you'll have this information on hand that's another interesting use case there when we're talking about catalysts that inspire people to sort of get up to speed that's an interesting one where travel insurance is something we sort of say okay if i'm going to travel overseas and i've got health insurance but how do i translate that how do i get that across so i'm taking my family to japan in easter and then you do think to yourself, well, yeah, what if something did go wrong? How do I quickly get all that information across? And where, you know, English isn't the first language, I've got a little bit of a barrier and I want to make sure, you know, the travel insurance companies, you know, got the right information. So sometimes those moments of just a little bit of fear, a little bit of dread, that kind of when I'm exactly that moment where I think I'm going to take out a travel insurance policy. And now I say that I think to myself, I hadn't thought of that. So I must remember to get travel insurance. But that's a really interesting point. The point where I'm willing to pay you know, whatever, a couple hundred dollars for family travel insurance, that then also becomes the point where I need to sort of maybe start thinking, well, let's collect all the health records. Let's put everything in because mm. it's difficult enough to translate here in Australia to my local GP or anything that I might want to do. Mm. Put myself in a foreign country, different languages. I mean, Google Translate's okay, but yeah. I'm guessing it's going to struggle a little bit around medical terms. Mm. Again, it might be one of those catalyst moments because what I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm thinking about the positioning of your business. So I'm going, well, mm. what's, what is the alternative? And, and I'm just thinking that travel scenario, the alternative is 
the plastic folder, you know, the um, that that thing we do where we take copies of our health insurance, our travel insurance, our whatever it happens to be, passports, and we, you know, the little plastic folder that people often get, or the one they give to relatives and say, "Hey, here's our core information. If someone rings up, this is what we've got." Mm-hmm. Is is that the current alternative? Is it the is it yeah. the Manila folder at home? Is it the clear binder that you've got that says, "Hey, here's a quick snapshot." Is that is that what people are dealing with at the moment? And that's what you're replacing. Yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with. And that's why our initial scenario is people with chronic illness, because often they're they're carrying around with them a folder that is, you know, this thick, <laughs> which, mm. you know, I know we're on a podcast, so people are, are listening sort of rather than um, looking. But, you know, I guess, you know, for some people that that could be, you know, 10 centimetres thick. For some people, it could be, you know, a number of folders. So, you know, I guess that's the stories that, that we've heard from people is that they, that's the problem they have is that they have to have all this information on hand. Because going back to the diagnosis, I know we were talking about travel there. And that's, I guess, is you know, we're going through a, a number of scenarios where people might start using this app and, and become habitual about it. And what we've done here is start talking about some scenarios and this is what will happen over time we we're highlighting an initial scenario and then other ones come out of that and and this is this is the story of how people will will start engaging but you know with with having information on hand and and traveling that also leads to say people thinking about people also in defense a lot of people that that leave the defense force they have a lot of records and uh, you know they get sent you know like finish up by you know you've you've done the country a great service but ultimately you know you've you finished now and and now you're out of you know we're transferring you over to the public system right and so what the story we've been told and I've also heard of this when I've been traveling one of my trips to the Japan I, I heard from some defense people is that they also have a problem in that you know they have a significant amount of health information in folders that they have to transfer so this is when they want to go to a new doctor and tell their story imagine what they've got to bring with them so this is the new this is why we're calling ourselves a health wallet because this is the new okay instead of bringing your folder with you you're going to start accumulating this information electronically safely in a secure place on in the cloud so that no matter where you are you can show this to the doctor no matter where you are and in whatever language yeah it's interesting you use the um defense force service personnel my father's in the air force and one of the things i learned really quickly is that they're absolutely amazing at looking after people post-service as well so you get the added benefit from the doctor's point of view which is if you've actually been defense force and if you've actually served overseas um all your medical bills are taken care of so from a doctor's point of view the more information they can get the better because you're actually not really restricted in any kind of service like if you Mm. need something done it'll get done for you and Look, maybe it's a slightly cynical view, but you know, we live in a in an unjust society where those who have more money or the ability to pay for more things will get better health care and better coverage. And so if you are ex-military and hold a I think it's a gold card, mm-hmm. you know, effectively that's a bottomless pit of money to look after your health. And 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 rightly so. If you've if you've served and risked your life for the country, then the country mm-hmm. can at least look after your health post serving. But what it means is 
empowers the medical professionals to say, I will look at everything to solve this. I will look at everything mm-hmm. because I know my bills are going to get paid. And, then, you know, again, as I say, it is, it is slightly unjust in that we should, in, you know, in a, in a utopian world, everyone gets the best treatment. But, we, of course, we know that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting scenario where ex-Defence Force personnel would get more leverage because ultimately, you know, the specialist, the GP, the, whoever's around will has the time, knowing that they'll be paid ultimately, to look at all the different facets. And mm. and as you said too, there's there is that amazing thing where well, the, if you've done 25 years service, there's an awful lot of medical records that they track. Mm. They know everything about you for obvious reasons, and that's it's almost like that's the perfect test bed for your product is to get mm. these people through. Mm. I just wanted to just touch on. In terms of acquiring new people, actually, how you're doing the promotion? Mm. How are most people finding your product? Is it through word of mouth and other people that are using it, saying, "Hey, you've got to get this app. Look what it's doing for me." Or are you doing active advertising? Um, what's what's your path to market at the moment? Well, it's been interesting because we have been proving product market fit, as 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 I said. But the marketing side of things has been interesting from the beginning. When you're working with something that's a social change that people don't do now or uh, know that they can do, how do you market that? So if you think about Google Ads, how do you advertise for something that that people aren't potentially searching for? Well, not in Australia, or they may be searching for the negative version of that. Which is why, yeah. anyway. So, <laughs> but no, that, that's yeah. the innovator's dilemma, right? It's yeah. this, you know, there's no latent demand which you're satisfying, so you need mm-hmm. to inform the world. So that that's a difficult. Act. So, <laughs> do, do you ha- do you have a do you have an answer for that for everyone? <laughs> or well, you still you still stuck like most of us? I think it, it's a learning it's a learning curve. But but what because we've had spent a lot of time uh, creating content on our blog site, we now have organic traffic. And mm-hmm. we can we don't have to advertise, and we still have people trickling through every day. So the challenge for us is finding, even though we have those blog, blog articles, I guess it's the challenge is obviously having them so that they will come up first in the search. So when people are actually finding those particular things, and and we've we've had some interesting ones, which articles that we've done quite a long time ago are still in the top of the search engine they're not necessarily they may or may not be bringing the the right people to the website but they're bringing traffic to the website so there's some interesting dilemmas that you might be the top of the search but is it actually uh, bringing the 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 customers that that will come through the funnel i guess so there's a lot of learning around this um and then also yeah so that's that's we're doing really well in organic traffic so we're getting people that are searching for the name searching on the topics and also coming directly to to the website and and yeah i guess, I guess if they're really searching for the name and they come into the website then they're both signals of, of, of referrals of, of brand building so mm-hmm. you know that's sort of your own science even though people might search for you know a brand name on so search for Wongi on Google, but that means you actually had already convinced them, or someone had already convinced them. So that's a good sign. So the net new traffic is is ultimately around SEO traffic, so sort of through Google, and you're achieving that through writing content and being interviewed or having content published on other websites yes. on associated topics. So you're trying to find the topics that are 
on the fringe uh, and, and around the edge of the, the core proposition, the core problem that you're solving, mm. and then sort of saying, hey, if you're interested in managing chronic asthma whilst on holidays or whatever it happens to be, you might be interested in this. And so that's that's your kind of your net at the moment is is content, reaching out, people finding the right search phrases from a global point of view, yes. and then finding their way through to the app and using it. And then and then a percentage of those people, obviously there's some brand and outreach that happens so that you're getting that that brand traffic, either typing it in or going through Google looking for your actual solution. And yeah. then, you know, I guess the ultimate view for you is at some point people realize that there is a solution out there and they actually start searching for, I guess, your solution. So what, what, what would be, what's the ideal search phrase? What, would, what do you imagine in the future people will be searching for? Is it sort of search phrases like health record management solutions or something like that? Or do you have a view of what people will actually be calling this in the future? Oh, interesting you should say that. In the US, we get hits on medical documents. Uh, because we're a medical document storage uh, location, we also have results from Health Tracker in the health, in the the app stores. Interesting, because there, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of apps that play in that space. Mm. So there's a lot of apps that kind of record health, but it's almost like they record health as a way of of logging it, so you can see. It's more about uh, you know, like I said, the one thing I might do is like log my weight in in my iPhone, and you and why do I do that? It's more just to see the little line move up and down, hopefully more down than up. But mm. yeah, so you've got that, and then I guess the other thing you is, is storage, and that's the other part of that positioning, which is well, yeah, there's cloud storage. So is it Dropbox? Is it Google Drive? Is it iCloud? These are these are other alternatives but it's the combination of those two so that positioning really becomes sort of hey it's like a health tracker in dropbox and you know it's specifically designed for this solution i realize that undersells it a little bit but you know people are simple creatures at at heart and so we like to go oh it's like dropbox but for health tracking oh i get it (laughs) yeah true true yeah Uh, so cnet we have the quite a significant amount of traffic from cnet they wrote Mm -hmm. an article on storage of or find how do you get one of the problems is that it's actually very difficult to get a hold of your health records and your medical documents in the US and in Australia by the way you don't seem to you know have ownership on of them very easily or you may have to pay for them so we've written some articles on on how to do this and and in the US CNET wrote an article on how to get your health records or medical documents they call them and what to do with them so our app was actually featured as the top secure app to store your medical records in the US and so we have a significant amount of traffic from the US from that article even though it's you know several months old we, we still get quite a significant amount of traffic from that article so that referrals traffic is, yeah. is so it sounds sounds to me like the lesson for anyone is you've been doing this business for a little while but it's that investment in content and outreach and partnerships is they're using their existing audiences to sort of hive off a group of people who identify read the article go that's what i want and then you become that solution so i guess you're that's the thing that you've from listening to you that's the thing that's benefited you so far is that the the time doing your own pr your own outreach your own articles that's been the thing that's kind of you know paid off big time in terms of marketing for you so we'll take we'll take that as uh, as a big lesson learned yeah so a a last question for me just around 
and I don't, I've, I've started asking everyone this one because I like it. It's if you could go back in time, if I gave you a DeLorean and you could go back into time to give yourself some advice during this little business journey, when would you go back to and, and, and what would you be telling yourself? So you can set the time machine to a particular point in time. Where would you intercept your business career, this business career and go, okay, this is the point where I want to tell you X. So when do you think that would be and what would you actually tell yourself? Well, we had a significant setback in 2018. We'd Our first um, MVP, if you like, was a view to the Australian government, my health record. Mm-hmm. And you know that I that describe that internationally because if I say my health record, people in the US or the UK don't actually know what that is. So it's, it's basically a government cent, uh, you know, central health source. And so we we created a view to that, and the idea around that was well let's let's do that first, and then we'll build on that and create a global product. We always had a view to create a global product, but I guess if that's um, that's what we did, and we put our, our funding into that, and if I could go back in time, I would think that we could have acted sooner to start understanding the market straight after that because a week out from a week from launching the government decided it was too early and they closed the mobile api gateway down and so we weren't able to to launch that product so we had put a significant amount of effort and funding into that so we were devastated obviously because that was going to be our volume traction straight up think mm. about that putting that on your your slide pack millions of people 25 million you know you put your percentage of how many people you would have as an uptake that's that's a good story and then then out of that you go okay let's go you know we'll we'll build from that and we'll scale from that if i could go back in time yes we had that devastating news i would have acted we were told to wait you know the government told us to wait and you know that was six months of waiting and I believe that we- I'm loving this because it it just sounds like such a classic lesson. You just go, basically, the advice is don't count on the government getting something over the line anytime soon. Whatever they tell you, just assume it's not going to happen. Find another path. If it does, great. But don't yeah. hang your whole business on them rolling out some kind of technology program because it's going to be slow. And that's that's it. And I said and that that's, I guess, the the lesson is that we, you know, it's high risk. So it's one of those risks. If you're if you're you know looking at at you know what's your plan of attack, and if that is your one and only source of solution, it can impact you badly if it if it uh, doesn't happen. So <laughs> find another one. Find <laughs> another Don't one. Don't rely on the government. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, that's if we could go back in time, we would have created an, a global solution earlier and started understanding the product market fit earlier. We lost time because of that, and and we we have some of the global players already revealing their cards. So, you know, you know, you have the Apples, Googles, the Amazons. Everybody now is is thinking about people and their health records. So, mm. or the bigger companies are, and so we already had that. I guess that path. And as you say, sometimes it's not always the first, but it's the you know how. <laughs> How how you go yeah. on the race, I guess. So you know, yeah, if, you're fir- a- if you're first to be recognised, you're, in, you're it's better than being first. Is being first to be recognised. But the yeah. other thing too is 
you always have an advantage about being a specialist. People would much rather go to somebody who specializes in storing health records rather than somebody who does everything. So mm. Apple and Google and Facebook, I can't imagine anyone saying, hey, Facebook, here's my health records, but because that's their brand position. But with Apple, yeah. Apple is basing themselves around trust. So that that's likely the most dangerous competitor, actually, from a global point of view, because Apple does have a level of trust. Mm. However... They do a lot of different things. And so people do like to see a specialist. And so as much as Apple might come into exactly the same market, people will often default to the specialist rather than the generalist. Mm. And of course, the other thing too is there has to be an alternative, right? So if you don't like Coke, you probably drink Pepsi. You know, there needs to be, if you don't shop at Woolies, you need to shop at, you'll probably shop at Coles. So if you don't want to sell your records on Apple, where else do you go? And well, I'll go to Wongi, you know? So mm. you can you can do particularly well being second in a market because you can actually scoop up everything. So for what it's worth, I wouldn't be adverse to the idea. You need someone like an Apple to break down the world and tell mm. everybody that you should be storing your records, you should be having it. And then you go, well, that's great, Apple. You you bulldoze down the world. You make a billion dollars out of it. That's great. We'll simply float in behind and pick up everybody else who's on Android who doesn't want to trust it with Samsung or Google, and we'll have that just that tiny thirty percent of the rest of the world. We'll be fine with that. So exactly. That's it. We've laid out the plan. That's what's going to happen. That's where it's going to be. And we can rewind to this podcast and go look at that. We were we were we were wise beyond our years. <laughs> Look, Marie, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I really appreciated um, your open and candid responses. If people want to connect with you personally or they want to find Wongi and download the app, how do they find you? How do they find the app? How do they connect with the business? What are the best locations to find you? Well, you can Google Wongi. Uh, W-A-N-N-G-I and that will take you to our website from there you can go to the app stores I also have my own branding which is obviously on LinkedIn uh, Twitter Facebook not so much (laughs) but uh, yeah so I'm quite I'm available and the app is searchable and we have some um, interesting articles there that, that people might find useful Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I've really loved chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes, or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot, and I look forward to speaking with you next week.